You're listening to the Digital Communicators Podcast, helping comms professionals stay one step ahead of all things digital and social media. Here are your hosts, Amanda, Raj, Mark, and Tim. Welcome everyone to the podcast. This month we're talking about uh, mental health and digital communications, which uh, I'm definitely very passionate about. I think uh, it's one of those topics that I think isn't talked enough about in in this space. And uh, I'm sure anyone working in digital communications over the last few years, and particularly during the pandemic, um, would have confronted some of the issues of um, managing digital channels and the kind of uh, commentary, abuse, um, um, things you might see on social and digital uh, and your teams might see and how you might handle that and the effects that has on people's mental health. So um, it's definitely an interesting topic and I'm sure we all have different perspectives on it. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts on this space of mental health and, and digital comms? Tim, I think, uh, hello everyone, I think it becomes like a uh, layer of fog in many respects and it's hard to uh, delineate between your own mental health and the mental health that might be associated with others within your own business. I think that's the level of difficulty because everything becomes such an onerous uh, quashing and crashing of, of how you're feeling at any given time that you really need to be able to push, push through that somehow. How do you do that? I think, first of all, you need to find a, um, a response protocol in your own um, approach to business. You know, So, for example, if you're working in social media, you, do, you don't have to look at responses uh, to your social media posts after hours. You know? So I think you need to set ground rules within your own workforce to help you actually do your business more effectively. Um, and that way, if you're managing, if you are managing a team of people, you know, you can actually set those ground rules, which are really critical to help your own mental health and, and the mental health of others within the team. I think that's a really good point, Mark, is just having a understanding of the context that we're operating in. So you mentioned the pandemic there, Tim, and obviously the extra pressure that that uh, placed on a lot of people um, within the digital communication space and obviously well beyond that, too. I think what was interesting for me is having perspective through all of this. So everyone was facing that sort of pressure. And so it was almost like if there was any um, uh, kind of existing pressure on people who are sitting at the coal face of managing a, a social channel, for example, uh, there, there was already a, a level of pressure there. If you start to dial up the outside world around them and you start to dial up the, the pressure and the stresses that people are facing um, in their everyday lives, that's only going to be magnified online. So it's almost like a double whammy for people who went through periods like the pandemic. And even now, I'd say there's a, a heightened level of, of pressure and, and stress and intensity around what happens in these environments. And, and that's something that absolutely requires proper governance, proper recognition but then proper governance to manage it and make sure that people feel supported. I think it's interesting also when you add to the mix of the pandemic, the, um, you know, the shift away from the office and, you know, people are performing these roles in social media remotely, which we've always been able to do, but still I think had that central connection of an office in a lot of um, respects. And so, you know, doing some of this work that can be quite difficult in isolation I think has added to the challenge and certainly, you know, people are um, continuing to work from home a lot, um, which is great in terms of flexibility at times, but does make it difficult to debrief um, potentially when things are challenging. 
Um, I think it's also worth noting that this type of, um, like the evolution of social media roles has meant that it's not just content moderators that deal with these challenges. And I think, you know, previous sort of media coverage, I think it was in about 2018, there was a chunk of coverage about Facebook and its moderators around the world and them facing really difficult mental health challenges with some of the um, full on material that they needed to review online. And I think that there is a bit of a sense that it's moderation that's a tough job, um, but that's not the only part of it. I think you can be an online community manager or developing proactive content and face um, quite, um, you know, pressured challenges that the public scrutiny around some of this content, um, you know, internal pressures around, um, you know, kind of clearing and, and changing content and then preempting issues that might happen with it online and then having to deal with those when they do appear. Um, there's a whole lot of facets, I think, that goes into the mental health of um, social media teams specifically. And yeah, I think it is one that isn't sort of um, spoken about or addressed by teams enough. Yeah, Amanda, so I, I worked uh, in Melbourne and which has had seven lockdowns. And uh, when people were in lockdown, all they had was social media. And so you kind of got the, the, the emotions of the city um, on social media. And I was, I think it really affected me. I was reading just very angry, frustrated um, people's comments and I had to, I had to look at it and, and it was just didn't stop. And it really had an effect on my mental health. But the thing that I found even hard on that was there was a customer relations team and so they're like young people you know just maybe starting their career and the stuff they're having to read was just like really tough on them to have to go through um i don't think people often realize when they're making these comments that someone else is on the other end having to read it so if you're just reading like 10 hours of abuse every day um, for months on end, <laughs> that's a really big effect on people. And um, and there's often teams where where you are talking to more junior, younger people who might see stuff that can have a real big effect on them. And so I was really sort of uh, worried about those those team members and making sure they were having breaks and they were being supported. But it, I don't think it was really talked about as as something that people thought was an issue. Which again. I think uh, across digital and social media, we probably don't talk about it enough, but um, the things you consume on a daily basis, they go into your head, even though you might have a view on it. If you're constantly reading it, constantly consuming it, it really has an effect on your mental health. And so, yeah, I, I still feel, because uh, again, I worked on uh, more lockdown stuff uh, and critical comms, and, and you're dealing with really difficult issues of things that couldn't be solved, people who couldn't take their mother to a hospital or, you know, really complex issues, but you're consuming it. And then obviously that affects your mental health. So it's something I, I personally really struggle with and, and I think I'm still not over, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested if anyone has any sort of strategies that they've seen put in place. Mark talked about having some processes, but have you seen anything like uh, mental health training or any kind of like, training that people do in this space or any sort of methods that you think might work when you're working with teams and mental health? Well, 
there's, there's some really simple practices, I think, and oh, that's probably oversimplifying it, to be perfectly honest. There are practices that, that you can do that you need to be diligent about. So even with the Teams environment now, if you go to Viva Insights um, and, and actually use that effectively, it can help you take a few minutes break, walk away from your desk, go out in the sun if it's sunny, or go out in the rain if it's raining, it doesn't matter, as long as you walk away. Personally, what I do, I actually try and lock in a couple of days a week over the lunch hour. There's a park up the road from me and I go up and hit a few hundred tennis balls against the wall. And I find that incredibly, um, it's just such a great relief to my mental health and to my physical health as well. So, you know, people might say, oh, I've got to work through my lunch hour, I'm really busy and what have you. No, you don't. You can actually say no. And I think this is a really important aspect. You know, uh, I was at the football with a great mate of mine uh, the other day. We're both members of the Essendon Football Club, for better or worse. Um, sorry for the international bit that was on that. But um, the, uh, <laughs> the, his daughter also attends the football and, uh, and she works for a fashion company and had to post up on Instagram on a Sunday afternoon and what have you. And I said to her, I said, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it. And uh, she said to me, oh, Instagram never stops. And I just left it at that. But I think if you can actually factor in your breaks um, and use them effectively, you will feel a whole lot better. Um, that's really, I think, you know, knowing yourself, Mark, is critical and being able to assess how you're travelling at work, no matter really what area of work you're in, and being able to take breaks is essential. And... I think at times, um, you know, the type of people that are attracted to this work are ones that are, um, you know, high performing, want to kind of be at the forefront of digital communications and, you know, can be trapped in a bit of a cycle of um, like being chained to the desk. You want to see how something plays out. You don't want to leave it in case um, things go wrong. You feel responsible. And certainly some of the research that I did into um, Australian government social media teams we had some really interesting discussions about, you know, building high performing teams, but then people getting burnt out and not really being able to take leave or feeling as though they couldn't take leave, didn't want to let their teammates down. And I think, you know, um, self-management is important, but as Tim reflected on that sense of being responsible for your team and as a manager, how do you support your people? Um, you know, adds an extra level of pressure if you're a, the leader of a digital comms team. Um, I do have an example of working in a government role, dealing with, you know, really difficult um, materials. So, you know, relating to social services, health and social welfare payments and people that are often in really challenging situations personally and who don't really reach out for help unless they're, they're in a critical situation. People don't kind of write to the government and say, you're doing a great job. It's something is happening in my life and I need help from you right now. And so some of that content was really challenging for the team to deal with. And it was a period of time where we went from working on, you know, quite small quantities of um, messages to during peak tax time, for example, dealing with like 17, 20,000 responses a month. So really scaling it. And that's kind of gone even beyond today. So we did implement social media um, sort of mental health um, support sessions for the team and we did some training and we did it in two different ways one is that we worked with um, internal social workers to um, talk the team through um, some of their own supports and how to manage challenging situations online as a team 
And part of that was developing some really strong processes for when certain things happened, how the team could take action. And I think a big element of helping teams feel safer and um, I guess giving them more agency and control is having a process that helps them take an action. You might not be able to solve everyone's problem online, but if you can take an action to get people the next stage of help, um, then you know you feel like you've contributed to the the process, and and you have. And then the second part of that is that we got um, an external sort of consultancy in that were experts in online community management, and we got them to talk us through how to build communities online that help one another, not just us having to help everyone that we um, look after each other as a team and provide a space to talk about issues. And that was, both of those activities were really beneficial in bringing the team together and just raising general awareness about, um, you know, how to deal with mental health and and to look out for one another. So um, I think if you've got the opportunity to implement some training um, or you haven't thought about it yet, do, because it can be really powerful for, for your team in dealing with some of these issues. I think building on that, Amanda, I think it's important that there's probably a couple of different types of mental health that are worth talking through today, or at least recognizing, and you've called a couple of them out there. I think, you know, we're very much, if you're listening to this and and applying it personally, so obviously there's your own mental health. And as you said, Amanda, they can be across many different roles within social media and the pressure that puts on them, Tim, as you were saying, in terms of, um, you know, the expectations and the fact that particularly through the pandemic, everything was heightened and, and the pressure to get messaging right and so on and so forth, as well as the moderation side of things. So there is obviously your own mental health. There's the mental health of um, those within your team. And I suppose being a bit of a um, eyes and ears for, within your organization to also be tuned in to the cues that people may have seen previously so that you're also looking after one another. I think that was one of the big things that I observed through the pandemic was team leaders who were so concerned about others in their team, they may not have been concerned about themselves or or individuals who are very much feeling going through some hardship at that time, um, had an inability to look um, more broadly and and understandably. And that's why there is that kind of group accountability here to make sure that we're looking after one another. But I think there's also, and I actually had a really interesting chat the other day with a comms professional who was talking about her sense of obligation around protecting her community. And I think it touches on that point you were making there, Amanda, about when, um, how can you create a positive culture where people do um, have shared responsibility for moderation and shared responsibility for driving good community health, a positive community culture. And it was really interesting to hear how she was feeling extra uh, responsibility and extra burden when uh, messages, re- replies, I suppose, comments would come up about people featured in posts or people who were, um, uh, you know, who were being celebrated, I suppose. And they would, you know, people just doing the usual trolling, sadly, the usual trolling that occurs online. Um, people always have different views. That's the wonderful thing about social media. You really do get a cross section of society. And if, if people are, who are the feature of posts are getting criticized, then her sense of obligation was, well, how can I protect the person who's featured in that post? Because I don't want them seeing it. I don't want them reading it. I don't want their family and friends to be impacted by it. Um, And having a real sense of um, a duty of care to protect those people who are featured in content. And so I suppose when you, when you throw things really widely like that, you start to have this ecosystem view and you start to design governance processes that can actually support not just the individual, 
not just the team who's sitting with their hands on the tools, but also the community that you're building and the community that you're um, building a relationship with over time. I can, I can speak from experience of a few years ago, and many of you will probably um, know what I'm talking about here without talking about it directly, but four emergency service uh, members were killed in a horrific accident, and I was managing the social media team in that organisation at the time. Um, team of young social media aspirants in my team, they had to go out to live streaming of media conferences, moderate literally hundreds of thousands of comments, um, uh, memorialization of a, of, of a Facebook page, um, it, it, uh, monitoring um, our, our chatbot at the time with just had hundreds, hundreds of thousands of comments coming through. Huge, huge job. Um, and you can imagine uh, the feeling across the organisation of having lost those four people. Now, I monitored my team very carefully in terms of, of uh, how they were reacting and responding to what was going on at the time. But little did I know, probably a year, a year and a half later, I spoke at a conference and talked about that scenario in the conference. And it was at the end of the conference that I spoke to this, and all of a sudden I just burst out in tears. So I hadn't recognised that this whole uh, moment, a year and a half ago, had impacted me directly. So I was busy looking after the team, but not so much myself. So I think that's a really critical message too. But by Jesus, it was a good way to end the conference in tears. <laughs> yes, and it's great you were able to share that, Mark. And, and I think it's so true if you're, um, when you're in the middle of it, especially when something's happening online, there's just a sense that you don't have time to kind of pause for yourself. You, you're really in it. And I think you don't kind of, step away and reflect but um yeah it's really great that you were able to share that at the conference and um and also with the group today because I think people don't um you know it's the same as how Tim started this session is people don't often share what their own experiences have been and so um yeah it's good to to hear about it and learn from it yeah I, I find um because because I've worked in emergency service as well, and and someone I work with had worked in the mental health space as well, so we've dealt with literally life and death uh, consequences. And sometimes you have to step back and have a bit of perspective um, on things. And and to Mark's point about turning off, I think that's a, a real challenge for people in social media because there's often an expectation that. You will look at things every time at night, on weekends, out of hours, because it's a risk if something is up there for a long time, if something's defamatory is in your comments. So there's this expectation on a lot of social media managers that they're always online. And I've fallen into that trap myself. And then I feel like I've never been able to turn my work brain off. And then over time, if you're doing that for a couple of years, you just absolutely, as Amanda, you said, you just get completely burnt out. Um, and it really does have an effect on your mental health. So I think setting boundaries is is really important in this space um, and thinking about your own mental health. Roger, did you have Could, yeah. something on that? Can I ask a question on that, Tim? I just think that like the, all the stories that we're sharing today, and I think that point you're making there about we just need to be so aware of this now and we, we, we perhaps weren't aware of the, the damage that was being done and the impact it was having at the time. 
Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that there was a real lack of um, governance or you know infrastructure around people? And I appreciate that no one could have planned the pandemic, but we certainly, you know, we've seen a fair degree of trolling, abuse, nastiness, all that sort of stuff online. We've seen the at times very highly sensitive and scrutinised content that. Um, people who are sitting in the decision-making chair for social media and digital comms, we know these things. They're not new things. So why do you think it is that we weren't as well prepared to handle things then? And I suppose off the back of that, do you think that we're in a better place now because of what the pandemic forced a lot of organisations to look at and think about? Are we in a better spot there? I think one thing that happened was lines kind of got blurred because everyone was working from home and then people just naturally started working outside of their normal work hours on things. So that created a problem. That was the first instance. And then I think a lot of people who work in digital comms, maybe we're not good enough at actually speaking up to our senior leaders and up to management about this as an issue and they don't see it. They don't see what's on the ground or what's happening or the mental health aspects of this kind of work. And and then it's it's left you know with with no action or no training or or no support for for that situation. I also think that um, largely there's still an element of disrespect towards social media from senior management <clears throat> as well. So um, people feel the need to keep working to make it better uh, to be on top of it for the fear that executives might say, well, let's just get rid of it if it's a problem because it's not not uh, great for our core business, let's just get rid of it. So people, because it's still, you know, it's still new in terms of a business ethos if you think about all the time that we've been working. And building on that, Mark, you know, I think it's that kind of evolving nature of social media work that... Um, you know, lends itself also to not necessarily having the processes in place in advance to tackle issues as they arise. And, you know, um, many of us have worked on accounts and projects that have bubbled up out of opportunity and something is new and you take it and then you kind of retrofit policies and practices that help support a team. And, you know, you don't always have leadership support to do that. You let them know as something's coming up and how you're going to tackle that. And ideally they provide support, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge to come forward and say, have you thought about how you're going to support your team during these times? And so we work it out as we go along. Um, I did want to share very briefly a little bit of research that I think is relevant to this chat um, that was done by um, a friend of mine, Sia Papagiorgio, who um, is from the Centre for Strategic Communication Excellence. And during the pandemic, she did a... Um, an online um, sort of survey and was asking people who work in the communication profession, so not just digital comms, but people in PR and um, the comms profession about how they were feeling. And some of the the findings are really interesting. So um, 66% had said that their mental health had declined um, during the pandemic. Um, 48% um, considered leaving the profession because of their mental um, well-being. One in three felt like they couldn't really take leave from work to um, support their mental well-being. 20% said that they didn't really feel comfortable talking to anyone about their mental well-being. 
and 46% um, also, though, had um, some optimism about their kind of ongoing mental well-being and that, you know, the pandemic was sort of a unique set of circumstances. So that's really interesting. And if anyone, you can download an infographic and stuff. Um, it's at sohowdoyoureallyfeel.com is where the research is. And people might be interested, you know, if, if this chat, I suppose, has got you thinking about support for your team and some training or whatever, perhaps some data like that might support, um, you know, your case for, for making some of that, um, those changes in your organization. And I, th I think that's the point that I jump in on, Amanda, which is that what you're describing there and that research tells and, and what you've shared, Mark and Tim, as well, is this idea that this is... It, they need, we need visibility around this issue outside social media teams and we need an understanding at a senior level that and, and maybe if we connect it into what is you know business priority at the moment if there's something around staff attraction or talent attraction retention if that's a universal need for every organization right now this is a business issue it's not a social media issue this is something that actually impacts the ability of an organization to operate efficiently and effectively and to have a good workplace culture and so on and so forth yes it is a very specific environment where it's happening but it's not a social media issue. And I do think that there is that challenge around social media um, and digital comms existing in a silo away from other business operations. And as soon as that bridge is formed and we start having data points and proof points like that, Amanda, which helps senior leaders understand this is the reality that um, people working in this space are facing, which may be different to others. I'm not saying they're special, but it may be different to others. As soon as there's awareness of that, then awareness starts to drive behavior change and starts to drive decisions around how we manage and mitigate that risk and how we support staff. So I really do think that the more you can kind of bubble up, as you were saying, the conversation around, um, you know, resilience working in this space and move it towards, no, no, this is actually very important for business success, then you're going to start to change the dialogue and start to get a lot more interest from people. And that, that is a responsibility for leads who are sitting in the social media chair. Yeah, it's a great um, point, Roger. And, you know, that it's not appropriate to kind of rest this stuff on the shoulders of individuals and their own ability to be resilient. I think, you know, um, we've all got varied levels of resilience, but we can all do so many different types of jobs. It's not down to us to kind of personally cope. Although I do think, you know, if you're able to know yourself and take action to support yourself that's really powerful but yeah we've got to have responsibility as um, uh, organizations and as managers for you know how we better support our people so really good point Roger. And I think we also need to keep an eye on the future we know AI is here um, we know that automation for uh, managing comments and, uh, and feedback is also here and I've used that in the past effectively so keep an eye on technology that can make your job and life easier if you're in the digital communications business. Now we also know, Mark, that there's you know great work being done by the likes of the eSafety Commissioner to try and improve the regulation of these online spaces. And I think that's important to call out too. This isn't the Wild West and things aren't completely out of control. Don't get me wrong, it is tough, but steps are being taken, uh, new measures are being introduced. And I think that's encouraging too, is that there are some very uh, influential 
bodies who are trying to improve the state of, of online safety and the online experience for people so that hopefully at that macro level, if we can improve the micro, as you're saying, Amanda, have a better understanding of yourself, improve the team environment in terms of those governance practices and what you do as an organization, and then the powers that be can improve that macro system for us. Ideally, those are three things that are going to make a massive difference. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point, Roger. Um, I think we've kind of covered like various aspects, uh, what individuals can do, what you can do with teams, what you can do at an organizational level. Um, but yeah, I encourage people to, to talk more about this in, in, their, in their organizations. And, um, and as Mark said, technology is evolving. So there's obviously things that might help us going forward. Um, but thanks for the really inter interesting conversation. I, I get a lot out of these conversations myself and gives me personal reflections. So I think I hope people who are, are listening um, we've started a bit of a conversation about mental health in the digital comm space and um, we can go forward and make things better. But um, thanks for listening for another podcast, everybody. Thanks again for listening. If you valued today's conversation, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For more details on today's show or to get in touch, head to gdln.card with two R's.co or Google Government Digital Leaders Network.